0: Some folks to get involved with this. Well, this morning, I am thrilled that we have a guest speaker here, and not only because I get a Sunday off, but most importantly because I genuinely like and appreciate Kristen and her ministry and her heart, and I'm looking forward to how she is going to become a part of our, uh, our focus on the Lord's Prayer this week. Kristen and her family I, I have been attending West Heights for over a year, I think. Has it been two years? Coming up to two years, like time has flown by. And one of the things that I appreciate about Kristen is if you've ever had a conversation with Kristen, she's this warm, uh, engaging person who will make you feel wonderful and cared for and seen, and the love of Jesus just flows right out of her. And this is what I'm anticipating we're going to experience this morning as she shares. And so, Kristen, why don't you come on up? Thank you, Josh. No pressure. No pressure. Here. Um... Yeah, thank you so much. It is a joy to be here and uh, share the word with you all this morning. Um, as Melanie said, we are in a series on the Lord's Prayer. Josh led us through the first two parts of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today I am taking up Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. Um, I was supposed to do another week, and Josh asked if we could switch to this week, and I just want to say the irony has not escaped me of Josh asking me, a person with a gluten allergy, to preach on bread today. (laughs) Way to rub it in, Josh. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I kid, I kid. Uh, But I really, actually, as I was diving into the scriptures and studying and getting ready for this, it just... uh, yeah, it was just a really beautiful reminder of some of the things Melanie um, touched on today, and so I'm excited to go deeper into it with you. I want to start by reading to you story time uh, from this book called God of Miracles, written by Virginia Wright, and uh, she tells a story about growing up as a missionary kid in India and uh, leaving India and coming back to the States where her mom and dad, Chloe and Ellis Meeks, took up a pastorate in uh, Missouri. And so she tells the story of one evening where God provided bread for them. So I thought I might read this for you. So the characters in the story are Chloe and Ellis, so the mother and the father. Uh, Virginia is the oldest, and then she has a younger sister, Ruthie, and a younger uh, brother, Paul. So here's the story. One evening, after the children were in bed, Virginia heard her mother say, I don't have anything in the house for breakfast. What shall we do? Well, are you sure there isn't anything at all, not even any milk to drink, asked Father. There's nothing except for flour and salt, answered Chloe. Virginia was wide awake by this time. She wondered what they would do, too. The same God who performed miracles for us in India will do it again. Let's pray, she heard Father say. Then they prayed together and told God they would trust him to provide. Virginia felt comforted. She just knew God would do something when her parents prayed like that. The next morning, Mother prepared the table just as if they were going to eat. Only Virginia knew that there was nothing to eat. Everyone dressed for the day. Then Father called them to the table. But Daddy, where is the food? asked Ruth when they faced the empty table. Paul's eyes were filled with questions too. Virginia was waiting to see what God was going to do. There's no food right now, but there will be, answered Father. Then he began to pray and thank God for his love for them. He thanked him for all the food he had given them in the past. Suddenly, as he prayed, they heard heavy footsteps on the front porch of their house. There was a loud knock on the door. Father ended his prayer and went to the door. When he opened it, no one was there. He looked up and down the street, but still saw no one. Then he noticed the big basket sitting beside the door. It was filled with all kinds of good things to eat. Look, children, God has sent us food, said Daddy, as he brought the basket into the kitchen. What a time of rejoicing they had. They prayed again and thanked God for the milk, eggs, bread, meat, potatoes, and many other things in that basket. Much later, they learned that God woke up the grocery store owner very early that morning. He was not even a Christian, but God talked to him. He told him that the Meeks family needed some groceries. He went to his store and filled that basket with good things to eat. God had not stopped giving miracles to the Meeks family. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, Virginia Meeks is my grandmother. And this is a story that has been passed down through our family, among many other wonderful stories of remarkable ways in which God answered and has answered prayer for my family and been faithful. I'm sure there are others out here in this room, you too, who have equally remarkable stories of how God has answered your prayers and prayers in your family. Many of us have prayed and witnessed the faithfulness of God in our lives in tangible and concrete ways. But many of us have also prayed and have stories of unanswered prayers, equally dire situations when we and our loved ones have called out to God only to feel left empty-handed. Today's part of the Lord's Prayer brings us to that tender theological moment, and that is the efficacy of prayer to help meet our needs. So let's read the scripture again together from Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today's prayer is uncomfortably tangible for me. Give us this day our daily bread. We're talking about flesh and body things here. Bread, food, hunger, very earthly needs. And this isn't a prayer asking for some existential things like God to change our hearts or minds or to soothe our hearts. It's a prayer that asks God to encounter us in the most manifest of ways, by breaking into space and time and impacting things like flour, eggs, milk, flesh, bones, stomachs. We're asking God to feed us. And if you're like me, I automatically recoil at this. I'm afraid to ask God to meet my tangible needs because frankly, I'm afraid of unanswered prayers. It can feel like rejection. And then we're left wondering, wait, is God real? Is he really there? Does he care? Or maybe he's not all that powerful. Maybe he wants to help us, but he can't. Today's part of the Lord's Prayer invites us to reflect on these questions and to wrestle with them. And as I've learned over the years, our God is not afraid of our questions. In fact, he invites us to meet him in the midst of our questions and our doubt and our rumblings. So as we turn our attention to the Lord's Prayer today, I invite you to consider this spiritual truth, that give us this day our daily bread, teaches us that prayer is an act of submission and an act of petition. So let's begin with submission. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis, and he once famously said, I don't pray so that I can change God, I pray so that God can change me. So these past two weeks, Josh has been showing us the ways in which praying the Lord's prayer has the ability to change us. It can shape our imaginations. It can frame our perceptions of reality, of who God is and who we are as God's children. So this week, when we look at Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, we ask, how does that prayer change us? Well, when Jesus' followers would have first heard Jesus saying this prayer, this particular line would have immediately recalled for them a family story that would have been passed down through the generations of their Jewish heritage. In the same way that my family story tells the story of how my great grandma Meeks and grandpa Meeks asked God for prayer, the Jews would have remembered a story from Exodus in which their ancestors literally ask God for bread. And that's the story of manna in the desert. So we pick this story up in Exodus. At this point, the Jews have been freed from Egypt. They had been enslaved in Egypt. And God miraculously used Moses to free them, lead them through um, the Red Sea, and then deliver them into the desert. And so here they're free, but they're hungry. There's no reliable source of food or water. And so Exodus says this In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So... The Israelites are hungry, they call out to God, they say, you know, provide food for us, and God says, okay, I'm going to miraculously give you bread from heaven every day, but you can only take just what you need for the day. And if you take any more, it's going to rot, and you're not going to be able to use it. God says to the Israelites in Exodus 16:11, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. The manna was an exercise for the Israelites in trust and submission. It was a way for God to show them that he was all they needed to survive in the world. He was drawing them into dependence on himself and this was a total reorientation for them. But let's be honest, it's not that different for us today, is it? It's a total reorientation for us as well. I don't know about you, but I don't like this plan. I'm supposed to live day by day without worrying about tomorrow, about my future. I'm supposed to trust that God is going to give me exactly what I need today um, and what I need to get through the day. Well, praying, give us this day, our daily bread, does just that. It challenges the ways in which we rely on ourselves to provide for ourselves physically and psychologically, emotionally, in every way. Praying, give us this day our daily bread, teaches us to submit our self-reliance and to rely on God to provide for us. I like how Craig R. Coaster says it when he writes, Our lives are not self-generated or self-sustaining. Life relies on what we receive from the giver and can only be stewarded as a gift. So this week, as you pray the Lord's Prayer... And you reach this line, allow it to shape you, allow it to change you, allow it to remind you from whom your daily bread comes and on whom your life depends. You don't have to have it all figured out, you don't have to hold all the pieces together, you don't have to have a plan for everything and every eventuality because your life is held in the hands of the giver, the Father, and he will give you what you need for that day. But I don't want to stop there, because Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread doesn't just teach us the ways in which um, we should pray as a form of submission. It's not just about the ways in which prayer changes us. Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread is also teaching us prayer as petition. It shows us how prayer changes God. Now, I know this sounds audacious, but I am in good company We see it all throughout scripture, how the prayers of the saints and the followers of Jesus have the power to move God to action. I think here specifically of the story in Genesis 18 of Abraham. So Abraham's standing on a hill and he's looking out over Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a famously sinful city, violent, depraved. And God says to Abraham, he's like, I've been hearing an outcry. Over Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to go down and I'm going to check on it and I'm going to see if it's as bad as I am hearing and I'm going to take care of it. And Abraham says to God, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Are you saying that you're going to wipe out the righteous with the unrighteous? If it's that bad, you're going to kill all the good people in Sodom and Gomorrah too? And Abraham says, wait a second, God, if there's 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare it? And God says, yes, I will. And then Abraham says, I love how he begins to bargain here, he says, well, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? If it's 45, will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? And God says, no, I won't destroy the the city if I find 45 righteous people. And so Abraham and God go back and forth, and Abraham keeps pushing and pushing and praying and intervening until he finally gets God down to 10 people. He says, if you find 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare the city? And God says, yes, I will spare the city if I find 10 righteous people. I love this story in Genesis. It's just one of many, many, many throughout the Bible where we see how prayer has the ability to change God and his actions. And praying, give us this day, our daily bread, teaches us that God is responsive to our prayer. He's neither absent nor disinterested. This prayer teaches us what Stanley Gren says, a transcendent God can and does work in the world. Amen? He's here. He's present. He will respond. And Jesus teaches us in Matthew 7:7, 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. We are invited to petition God because God can and will respond. God is a God of miracles. Miracles happen. People are healed. Hunger is satiated. Lives are repaired. Love wins. We've seen it. We hear testimonies of it, and yet we're left with the pain of unanswered prayers, because not every petition is granted, and not every request comes to fruition. Early on in our marriage, Dwayne and I had the opportunity to live in Los Angeles, and we were part of a small group there. And one of our dear friends there, her name was uh, Tamiko. her sister-in-law was diagnosed with um, very aggressive cancer. And she had two young children. And she was going to leave behind a young family. And I remember our friend invited us. She gathered a group of us to go and anoint her sister-in-law and pray over her and pray that God would heal her. Fully believing and knowing that God had the power to heal her. He's the ultimate physician. And so we all went and we all prayed and prayed earnestly from the depths of our hearts. Um, And our prayer was not answered. She passed away. Why does God grant some people their daily bread, but not others? Why do some prayers seem to work, but not others? This is a worthy question. It's a question that many, many theologians have wrestled with throughout time, and it's a question I believe God will be able to and faithful to answer for us if we seek him on it. But in the meantime, Here's what has resonated for me about truth, as truth about why God um, unanswers some prayers or leaves some prayers unanswered. The first is that sometimes unanswered prayers are a mercy. And I'm sure you have these stories in your life of prayers that you have prayed that God didn't answer, and you realize that was actually probably a good thing. I'm reminded of Josh's prayer as a kid last week for the cheeseburger maker to appear beside his bed. Probably a good thing not to be eating cheeseburgers in bed at night. I'm reminded, too, of being a first-year-in-university 18-year-old and being just head-over-heels-in-love with a guy, let's call him Joe, and I prayed that God would let me marry Joe, and if not Joe, someone exactly like Joe, Dwayne was not around yet. He was still in Canada. I was still going to meet. I wasn't going to meet him for another two years. I am so glad God didn't answer that prayer. And I was so certain that was the right path forward for me. Uh, But I look at that now. It's a mercy. It's a mercy that God didn't answer that prayer. Sometimes unanswered prayers are a deferred yes. Sometimes unanswered prayers are a deferred Yes. So again, Josh gave us an example last week of a knitting project, people who like to knit. Um, For those of us who aren't very crafty, we look at what you're knitting, and it looks like this half-piece done thing of fabric, and yet you know in your mind this is a scarf. This is going to be a scarf, and it is a scarf. You're just on your way making it, and I often think that way of unanswered prayers sometimes. It's not that God is not answering. He is answering. He's just in the middle of knitting the answer, right? It's coming. He sees it. He's working on our behalf. But we may not see the answer soon. We may not see the answer in our lifetime. But that does not mean that God is not faithful and working on our behalves. Many times, unanswered prayers are a mystery. And the truth is, we may never know why God doesn't answer prayers um, until we see him face to face. But I know this to be true, that God remains faithful even in the face of unanswered prayers. I know that unanswered prayers do not change God's character. He is still present, He is still all-powerful, and He still holds us in the palm of His hand. And there's this final truth, that even in the face of all unanswered prayers, God has still answered our ultimate prayer in the person of Jesus Christ. That prayer that keens from our hearts. Are we alone? Must we save ourselves? With Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God has given us a resounding and definitive answer. No, we are not alone. No, we do not have to save ourselves. And through Jesus, he has given us everything we need for life and life abundantly. His kingdom has broken into the present and into our lives just as we prayed today in the person of Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so let me leave you with this last and final image. Jesus sitting on the shore of a lake surrounded by his disciples and people who have come to see this rabbi and they wanna see him perform some miracles. The people ask Jesus for a miraculous sign so that they will believe him. And they reference back to the story of the manna in the desert. And they say, listen, what are you going to do to show us that you are who you say you are so that we can believe you? They say, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what are you going to do, Jesus? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it wasn't Moses who gave you bread from heaven. It was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the whole world. And the people are like, whoa, give us that bread from now on. We want the bread that gives life to the whole world. Where is it? And Jesus looks at them and he says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. I am the bread of life. Friends, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying so that we remember that our life is not self-generating, that we are sustained by God. We pray so that we remember to rely on God to meet our very real, tangible needs. We pray because we believe that God is listening and that he can and will act on our behalves. But we pray, give us this day our daily bread, to ask for the ultimate bread of life, that is Jesus Christ. We ask for his presence day by day, and remember that in him, we will never go hungry. Jesus is the bread of life. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking for Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Where do we even begin to praise you and thank you for your goodness, for the ways in which you sustain us, that you provide for us day by day? Thank you that you condescend to hear us, to listen to us, to respond to us. Who are we, that the God of the universe would be moved to action by our prayers? And yet you are. Thank you. And ultimately, we thank you so much for listening and hearing and responding to that one big prayer that comes from our hearts, that's been coming from our hearts from the beginning of time. When you said to us through Jesus, you're not alone. I'm here to save you, and I've given you everything you need for life. And so, Jesus, we pray today, will you give us our daily bread? In every way, in everything that that means, give us our daily bread. And we will honor you, and we will thank you, and we will praise you, and we'll dedicate our lives to you. Let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you.